like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Cedar Falls Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Logan Blackman, and I am excited for today. And I think you know why. If you hear me talking and you hear the excitement within my voice, it's because we got some Monday afternoon football in about three hours from now. It's 12.57 right now on this beautiful, uh, beautiful is an operative term, I guess, if that's the right way to put this. Uh, it's snowing. Yeah. Um, yeah, me neither. I didn't think it would snow. <laughs> I didn't know there was any snow in the forecast. Granted, I haven't checked the weather in a while, but... We are here for some Monday afternoon football. Bills Chiefs is on at four, and the Dallas Cowboys with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback are taking on the Arizona Cardinals later tonight for actual Monday night football, a game that was actually scheduled for Monday night. But I think the game that goes on first will get more viewership. At least it's gonna. I think it'll be a better game. It's a battle between two better teams, two four and one teams. Chiefs are two and zero on the on the road. Bills are two and zero at home. Then you got the Cardinals and Cowboys. I think a lot of people love to watch Kyler Murray against the league's worst defense to this point. But the Cowboys, fondly, fondly enough, are a one point favorite in this game over the visiting Cardinals, who are two and one on the road. Cowboys, of course, are two and one at home. And as we said already, the Andy Dalton era is kicking off today. Yeah. Played a little bit last week with Dak Prescott's gruesome ankle injury, which from everything I've heard, it's been going good so far. Surgery went well, and he's looking to be out. For, well, he's obviously going to be out for the rest of the season, but timetable on the full injury and full recovery time is still up in the air up until this point. Because, you know, the human body is an interesting creature. Um, and every human body develops or recovers differently from certain ailments like you saw adrian peterson come back from like what six eight months out of acl surgery and then coming back to win the mvp and come nine yards short of eric dickerson's all-time season single season rushing record like the human body's amazing so in the athletes these professional athletes in the nfl have trained their bodies so hopefully for Dak's sake he recovers soon because I know everybody doesn't like the Cowboys. I think a vast majority of people would say they dislike the Dallas Cowboys. But everybody that I know, at least, likes Dak Prescott as a person. May not like him as a quarterback, but as a person, Dak Prescott's a very, very down-to-earth person for being the quarterback of quote-unquote America's team. You could get big-headed at times. But Dak has never been like that. He's been always a very genuine person. He's been through a lot this year as well. So this just does not help out his 2020. And he was on pace to, again, lead the NFL in passing yards. He was destroying the league in regards to passing numbers go. But hope to have him come back as soon as possible. Because even though I don't like the Cowboys and I don't particularly care for Dak the quarterback... I like Dak the person, and as far as the person goes, I hope that Dak comes back, all systems go, and can do very well for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I had the Cowboys, and then my preseason predictions, going 10-6. and six. I think if you looked at the weapons they had on the outside with Dak, I didn't think that was too wild of a shout there. Now, the Cowboys right now are 2-3. and 10-6 and six is within the realm of possibility. Until they lose six games, then I will start to question whether or not my prediction will actually happen or not. And for the Cowboys, they've got a very capable backup. I would argue probably the best backup in the NFL in Andy Dalton. 
was an eight, nine year starter or something like that in Cincinnati. Got to playoff games. Didn't know. Granted, didn't win anything, but put up decent numbers while playing at Cincinnati and has very good weapons and a better offensive line than he ever had in Cincinnati. Maybe not better weapons, because obviously he's had AJ Green for the entirety of his career. They were drafted the same year. But yeah, I don't think the Cowboys will be too like like if the Bills lost Josh Allen and had to play Matt Barkley. I love Matt Barkley as a backup, but I would not want him to be the full-time starter. I think as a Cowboys fan, you could sit there and feel somewhat confident knowing that you've got a quarterback that has loads of NFL experience, does have playoff experience, though again, he I can't stress enough, did not win a playoff game, but he has experience in the playoffs. So I think they'll be fine. I don't think 10 and 6, maybe around 8 and 8, 9 and 7, maybe push to 10 and 6, but you know what? It all has to start tonight. We'll see how Andy Dalton and the Dalton era in Dallas kick off tonight at 7.15 on ESPN. And for those who are caring about the Bills-Chiefs game, which again, we says going on first, is at four on Fox. And Kansas City is a five and a half point favor over the Buffalo Bills in this one. And since we talked a little bit about the Cowboys and the Cardinals game, let's talk about a little bit of the Bills-Chiefs game. I'm going to be at work when this game's going on. So obviously my good old trusty laptop will be there with me. So the show that I do on 60-50 The Fair with Colbert goes from 5 to 6. I go there every Monday, Thursday, and Friday and get there at 3. So I work from about 3 to 6 every day, or every, the, the days I mentioned, okay? So I'll be there at 3 today. It's one o three right now. So I'll have my computer up watching the game while we're doing a show at the exact same time. So it's going to be pretty entertaining to see how that one goes. Both teams in this game coming off of losses. Chiefs lost to the Raiders. Bills lost, of course, the Tennessee Titans on Tuesday Night Football, which we have talked about how I dislike Tuesday Night Football. And I am starting to miss noon kickoffs for the Buffalo Bills. I hate sitting around on Sundays without anything, any football to watch. Because I'm one of those people, I don't know if I've talked about this on this show before, but I'm one of those people that if my team's not playing, I have a hard time exerting all my energy into going, yes, we have to sit down and watch this game. Like playoffs, like, oh, who are you cheering for the playoffs? I don't know. Bulls aren't in it. I don't really care who wins the playoff or who win the finals this year. The Bulls aren't in the playoffs. I don't care. Lakers, of course, ended up winning the finals. And subconsciously, I was cheering for, like, the Heat and the Clippers because I like Kawhi Leonard, but I dislike some other players on their team. But I like Kawhi Leonard. I love Jimmy Butler and what they've built in Miami but the Bulls weren't in it, so I really did not care about the playoffs. Cubs got dumped out of the playoffs by the Marlins, so the rest of the MLB playoffs, I could have cared less. Now we are at the World Series with the Rays and Dodgers, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, as well as my preseason prediction to see how well we did in regards to that, because if my memory serves me right, it's not as terrible as I originally thought. As I think all my predictions go, it's, it, once you get to the end of the season, you realize, oh, wait, this actually isn't that bad of a prediction. Now, as you get like midway through the season, like right now in the NFL, not a lot of my predictions statistically can pan out at this point. Now, none of them are set in stone, can't happen, but it's it's trying times right now. So by the end of the season, I hope we are better. Like the Bears, 5-1 and one this season, okay? I had them teetering around the 7-9, and 6-10, and 8-8 range. Now, that could still happen. There's been teams that have capitulated over the course of the season that have finished around 500 to below 500 that have started good at this good or if not better than this Chicago Bears team. Like the Vikings a few years ago with Sam Bradford. 
started off fantastically and then completely fell apart and finished 8-8 eight and eight, missed the playoffs. That could be this Bears team. I think their defense is good enough to compete with teams, but their offense is ugly. No, Nick Foles said it best. Would you rather win ugly, win ugly or lose pretty? I would much rather win ugly. But you look at the teams they've played as well. Not exactly barn burners, these teams, like the Lions, Giants, Falcons. Falcons just got their first win of the season against the Vikings. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. And then the Bucks and the Panthers, who I didn't really have high hopes for the Panthers. Out of all these teams, I think the highest hopes I had were the Colts at 9-7. and seven. At least that was my predictions. Maybe my predictions are way off. But, man, Bears is 5-1. First place in the NFC North. That's crazy. That's actually ridiculous. I did not see that happening at all. Much like I didn't see the Vikings being 1-5 <laughs> to start the season. And, of course, I have a few Vikings friends out there. And Vikings fans divide opinions within each other. There's a lot of Viking on Viking crime, which you'll find in a lot of fan bases around the NFL fan on fan crime. You just saw an Eagles fan this past weekend get in a fight. Uh, maybe with what's not with another Eagles fan. Maybe it was with the Ravens fan. I couldn't really tell. I kind of was too bothered. Not well, I didn't really care on watching it. But one person that divides opinions, I think probably the most in the NFL, is Kirk Cousins, who has been teetering on the, the platform of this dude's an elite quarterback to this dude might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. I remember I was in line at a bar last year and I remember just standing there. I wasn't really talk. I wasn't talking to anybody. It was me and like three or four other friends. Now, again, this was last year, not during COVID times. And I remember hearing these two kids behind us going like, man, Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback in the NFL. And that was, of course, when the Vikings were going through that horrific stretch of play at the beginning of last year. This is nothing new for the Vikings, at least over the past couple years, in the Kirk Cousins quote-unquote era in Minnesota. I was like, he's not the worst. I didn't say anything to them because, I'm, as I've said before, I'm a very introverted person, so I'm not really going to go out of my way and talk to people that I don't know and say, well, why do you think that? And get into the whole conversation with somebody about a team I don't care about and a quarterback I could care less about. That's not really something that I'd want to do. Push myself into that situation and go, hey, why do you think Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback in the NFL? Well, why are you defending him? You sound like a Vikings fan. No, I'm not a Vikings fan. I'm actually a Bills fan. Well, how the hell does that work out? I don't know. I regret having this conversation. I'm going to go back to talk to my friends now. I will see you later. I didn't need to do that. But if you go on Twitter, Twitter is a cesspool of everything. It's a beautiful and horrific place at the exact same time. Twitter is my favorite social media platform. I use it the most. I don't tweet a lot, but I surf Twitter quite a bit. And I enjoy some of the stuff. I get a lot of sporting news from this, but to where you can get your news and stuff. Also, that's. We don't need to go into the whole actually get political stuff here. But if you look on Twitter, you'll divide opinions everywhere. So Mike Clay tweeted this out. This morning, said Kirk Cousins' average depth of throw is 10.1 this season. That is easily the highest among 30 QBs with at least 100 pass attempts. And then Greg Rosenthal said, Kirk Cousins' total transformation into Jameis Winston is my favorite story of 2020. So again, Kirk Cousins, divided size. So you scroll down a tiny bit, a tiny bit, 
Bills are four and one. Washington is one and five. I'm tired of throwing shade at players who actually got the crap got out of this crap hole. Except Kirk Cousins, dude is shit. <laughs> oh man, I love like I love. This is why I love Twitter right here. And then Vikings have never had swagger with Kirk Cousins. Like there's so many funny there. Oh wait, no, we gotta go to latest. We can't go to the top tweets. Latest is where you get more of the cesspool stuff. Like I remember, see, I was scrolling yesterday. Like, look at the Tom Green tweeted at Kirk Cousins just to go away. <laughs> There's so many like people tweeting at Kirk Cousins and the Vikings that they're actually going to pay attention to their zero retweets and zero likes that they got in this tweet. <laughs> oh man, let's see what else we can find about Kirk Cousins at Kirk Cousins again. Far from a cure, Kirk Cousins what ails the Vikings. Hashtag Vikings chat. There are so many mediocre quarterbacks in the NFL making far less money than hashtag Kirk Cousins. His output is comparable. I want to see one. There was one yesterday where I saw them adding the Vikings, talking about get rid of Kirk Cousins. Like they're actually going to sit there and go, let's get him. Let's, let's, let's listen to this guy. This guy seems like he's got his head on straight. Vikings fan ba- fans ranked among fan bases who complain the least on the NFL. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> I know quite a bit of Vikings fans living in the great state of Iowa, and I could tell you that is not the case. And every you can do that with every fan, but I just love making fun of my Vikings friends the most because they like to complain quite a bit. Oh, man. Kirk Cousins is my favorite Viking. So strong. I want to see you reply to this. I'm talking. Wait, what? I'm ta- Oh, <laughs> okay. This is actually a pretty funny conversation. Ferdinand Magellan said Vikings are so badass, and then this dude said Kirk Cousins, my favorite Viking, so strong. And then dude replied, "I'm talking Norse." So other dude said, "Sorry," and then typed it out in Morse code, like that. <laughs> that's the fun stuff on Twitter. Should Kirk Cousins be cut? No. Should Kirk Cousins have been benched at halftime? Most definitely. Tanking for Trevor is not the answer. If your organization wants him so bad enough, they'll move heaven and earth to move up and get him. There's so many things. Kirk, 2019, Jameis Winston versus 2020, Kirk Cousins through six weeks. 1,700 yards, 12 touchdowns, 10 picks, 2-4 and four record. 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 picks, 1-5 record. I don't like that, or should I say, I don't like that. And then just... Yeah, okay, I was going to say this on <laughs> in regards to this. Hy-Vee is starting to sell Kirk Cousins cereal. And I was literally about to say, you can't get worse timing than that. And the tweet literally says, talk about bad timing. Like, Kirk Cousins literally is the dead smack in the center of all NFL talk all the time about whether he's actually good or not. Now, I think we can all agree... Even my Vikings friends can say, well, yeah, he's not worth the contract. But at the time he was signed, that was the only quarterback that they could sign. And then the market entailed that they had to pay him that lucrative contract if they wanted to sign him. You got it. You're coming off a season where Case Keenum was your starting quarterback with Ted, Teddy Bridgewater coming off at a horrific knee injury and Sam Bradford being Sam Bradford. You're going to move a lot of pieces around to try and get a franchise quarterback. Because the Vikings were like, yeah, this worked out with Case Keenum, but you remember watching Case Keenum with the Rams? Like, we're not franchise quarterback. He was a third-string quarterback coming into the season. 
We're not. He's not a franchise. Sam Bradford cannot be a franchise quarterback. He gets injured too much. And Teddy, we don't know if he's even going to play again. So the Vikings, Teddy went off to New Jersey to play with the Jets. Case Keenum signed a big contract with the Broncos, and that obviously worked out very well for them as he was gone the next year. And Sam Bradford got signed by the Arizona Cardinals. Now the Vikings have made a lot of interesting moves for quarterbacks. You look at the the Sam Bradford thing, as we just talked about. Trading a first-round draft pick for Sam Bradford, in hindsight, is not a great move. It's just like signing Kirk Cousins to an 80-something million-dollar contract. It's not really... It's not great. And fans everywhere who don't like Kirk Cousins, even when he wasn't on the Vikings, and the Vikings fans that are out there, are not liking the the contract, especially now when the Vikings just lost 40-23 to to the Atlanta Falcons with Kirk Cousins throwing three touchdowns of garbage time. Now... With the Vikings absolutely sucking dick this season, being 1-5, at home, you can't put all of the blame on Kirk Cousins. Obviously, he's the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise, so he's going to shoulder most of the blame because this is an old adage that is one of my favorites in the world. The starting quarterback on any team on any level is the favorite and least favorite player of fan bases. The backup quarterback usually is the favorite player. It's, it's same, it can be 100% true for Hawkeye fans. That's been the story of every quarterback that has come through the University of Iowa ever since I was a little kid. When Drew Tate was the starter, Jake Christensen was the favorite player. When Jake Christensen was the starter, Ricky Stanzi was the favorite player. Ricky Stanzi got hurt against Northwestern. James Vandenberg plays terrible against Ohio State, but they almost win, so everybody's favorite player becomes James Vandenberg. James Vandenberg sucks his senior year. The favorite player is whoever the backup was because no one really knew because no one played any snaps. It's Rudolph Sokol or Beathard. No one knew. Rudolph wins the job, everyone's favorite player, C.J. Beathard. Now, C.J. Beathard's one of those rare players that didn't really have a backup that everybody was, like, clamoring for because in his first year as the starter, he went undefeated and went to the Rose Bowl. And the year before, he had the sick flow, so everybody loved the flow for that. And he's one of those rare Hawkeye quarterbacks that never had anybody really clawing at him to get out. Kirk Cousins is in that situation, and that's how every fan base is. The backup quarterback's usually the favorite. And you got a guy like Kirk Cousins, who divides opinions as much as he does, you're going to get a lot of those people who the favorite player on the roster is Sean Mannion, which is weird to say anybody's favorite player on any team is Sean Mannion, but this is the reality in which we live in right now. Now, do the Vikings tank for Trevor? No. I think the Vikings' main course here, the main issues on this team is the atrocity that is known as their offensive line, most notably Pat Elfline. Their offensive line is terrible. They got great weapons on the outside. With Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson has been awesome since getting drafted this past year. They'll tip their hat to the Philadelphia Eagles for passing on him. And they're young, inexperienced cornerbacks. You look at Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler, who are both rookies. And they haven't been facing like cream puff teams to start the season like with no receivers. You look at the Packers, who had Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard. Now both of them have been hurt. Colts, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. Titans, AJ. Now, I don't know if AJ Brown played, but that's also because it was a very close game, and Derrick Henry was the one that really killed him in that game. Losing Lidvall Joseph to the Chargers also hurt the Vikings, and not replacing him was key. Seahawks, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Falcons, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio. That's going to be a tall task in that one. Playing with these young, inexperienced corners is not. It is going to be a rough ride. It is not easy. It's not an easy like transition period to the NFL. Now, I thought in my mock draft that I did, I was stuck between Jalen Johnson and Jeff Gladney for the Vikings pick. Vikings obviously went with Jeff Gladney. 
quarterback at a TCU because Jalen Johnson was coming off a shoulder surgery. In my mind, in my heart, Jalen Johnson is the better corner, as he's proved that in the NFL with him and Kyle Fuller being two of the most locked down corners in the NFL so far this season, which is a big reason why the Bears defense has been as good as it has been to start the year. Not, not, Not just Cleo Mack, it has been the corners as well. I think the Vikings corners will become good eventually, but it's going to take some time. And this year, they're going to be struggling. Now, they could pull a Falcons. The Falcons did this last year where they started atrocious. They started terribly, had it around the first, second overall pick, and then won seven games out of nowhere. Now, at the end of the season, I, I know they signed Mike Zimmer to a contract. I, I would, It would be hard for me to imagine that he doesn't get fired at the end of this year. Maybe they keep him and get a, a new offensive-minded head coach to help this team out offensively because the line needs to be addressed, and that's something that the Vikings are not doing. They got Ngakwe in the offseason for DN to help Daniil Hunter, or they've got solid pieces on defense, but their O-line is terrible. So that's where I would go within the draft. Penny Sewell would be my number one target if I'm a Vikings fan, and if I if the Vikings, of course, stay as bad as they are. Now, there's every chance that they become good and actually – finish around at were let's say like six and ten, seven and nine and get outside of the top ten or like late top ten pick, where you wouldn't be able to get a Penny Sewell, who is probably gonna go in the top four, I would say, at this point in time. So I would say Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, maybe Jamar Chase and one of the quarterbacks, either Trey Lance or Justin Fields, could go or probably will go in that top four area. Now, if I'm drafting now, I'd probably put Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, and Jamar Chase as my top three. Maybe just player rankings, but that's probably what my thought process is right now. So you're probably not going to get a Sewell at that weight. Now you've got um, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, I think, is a guy that's coming out. He might have, no, he stayed back. And then Walter Little from Stanford. Is it Walker Little? I got to look this up because Walker Little from Stanford. So you got a couple good offensive linemen there. That could ease the pressure. Now, you're obviously looking at inside linemen for that. Uh, I don't know where you go from that. If you want to push Ezra Cleveland inside, who was a second-round pick from Boise State, who, when he got drafted, it was noticed, it was noted that he is a pro- project. He's not someone that can go rush in there right now. Athletically, he's one of the best offensive tackles in last year's draft. But... I don't think he wasn't ready to play. I don't know if he's starting right now. There's been very minimal Vikings football I've watched this year, so I apologize for that. But yeah, it's a it's a dangerous place to be, the Minnesota Vikings fan. Uh, Kirk Cousins, will he get cut or released or whatever at the end of the year? No. Uh, Mike Zimmer, I think, has the most chance to get fired at the end of the season because of how stagnant this team is and how topsy-turvy they always are whether they be good or bad and right now they are a very bad team and I would look at an offensive coach I mean obviously Eric Bieniemy is going to be the number one target for most teams but Brian Dable the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator is going to be talked about quite a bit as a head coach Romeo um not Romeo Cornell uh Greg Roman will get talked about Robert Sala the 49ers defensive coordinator is going to get talked about for head coaching jobs you want to bring Dave Caldwell back maybe that will work but yeah, Vikings going to need some help next season. Just hope that the corners develop for their sake. Other scores around the NFL. Titans came back and beat the Texans 42-36 in overtime. Know a lot of people crying about NFL overtime rules. I'm not a big hater on the NFL overtime rules. I actually don't like 
there's nothing that's really been thrown out there that's been better because even if you were like, oh, the college one's better. No, it's not. How many times throughout a game do you start at the 25-yard line? That doesn't happen. Now, if I'm doing this, I would just do another 10-minute quarter. That's what I. That's how I would do this. Just stop. Don't make it stop after one touchdown. Now, I think it's very straightforward. If the defense gets to stop, the offense gets a chance to get the ball. It's not decided by a coin flip. If you're a team that's just like, oh, man, we lost the coin toss, we lost the game, then you were already beat to begin with. It doesn't matter what the other offense does. And the Titans were going into overtime hot, so obviously they had all momentum riding with them going into this overtime period, but it's not decided by a coin flip. I hate when people say that. The Texans going for two in the game and missing it, which sent the Titans to make the score the touchdown to A.J. Brown to make the extra point. That's what lost them the game, not the coin flip. Now, I think it would just be a 10-minute period, normal stuff. No one ends it if it's if you like score a touchdown doesn't end. Now, it's better right now than it was, say, like three years ago where they every score counted as a win. It's better than that, but yeah, college overtime rules are not great either. So don't if we're going to talk about great overtime rules, college overtime, yeah, both teams get a chance at the ball, but you don't start a game ever on a 25-yard line. That's so unrealistic. That doesn't happen. Unless you're the Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans last week when that's where the Titans only started. Heck, they scored three of their touchdowns out of those situations because of Bills' turnovers. So it'll be interceptions by Josh or a fumble kick return. That doesn't happen. So I'm tired of seeing like, oh, the college rules are so much better. No, they're not. No, they're not. And it's not decided by a coin flip. It's football is a team game. Your defense has to get the stop. If they don't and they believe that, oh, we lost because of a coin flip, then they were already spent force to begin with. That's on them. Get better, <laughs> essentially. But I would just do the 10-minute straight-through overtime period so we don't have games that end like this. Now, if it ends, then it's tight. I don't really care. But it's always so out the crying fans. The, I've, I've had teams losing overtime all the time. It's not like I've never had a team lose in overtime. The Bills lost to the Texans in overtime last year. You want to know why the Bills got the chance in overtime? Because the defense stopped the Texans' offense. I mean, it was pretty self-explanatory. But yeah, whatever. There's a lot of people that cry about NFL overtime rules, and I just can't be bothered or can't be asked to complain about something like that. So sorry about a coin flip. Ah, shut up. Uh, the Bengals blew a nice little lead to lose the Indianapolis Colts 31-27. Broncos upset the New England Patriots 18-12. A very weird game. Drew Locke was back, didn't play very well. 10 of 24 for two interceptions in this game. Cam Newton was back as well. But, yeah, just a weird, weird result. Both teams are now 2-3 and three on the year. The Giants beat the Washington football team 20-19 for their first win of the season. The Ravens beat the Eagles 30-28, to though the Eagles had a very successful fourth quarter, almost came back, scored a touchdown with like two minutes left in the game, Missed the two-point conversion, and then it was done out there. But good good fight from the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. The Pittsburgh Steelers handled the Cleveland Browns 38-7. Uh, jury is out on Baker Mayfield as well. Just an average quarterback. It's just, Baker Mayfield is just an average quarterback, and those are the, not the type of players you draft at number one overall. I know he won the Heisman, put up godly numbers at, Ohio, at Oklahoma, plant the flag against Ohio State, but... There's a reason the Browns were the, like, the only team that had him at number one on their board. But, hey, you know what? He's he's not bad. He's, like, he's average, which is not great since he drafted him number one overall. 
Um, the Chicago Bears, as we talked about, 5-1 and one, beat the Panthers 23-16. The Lions beat the Jaguars 34-16. Now it's looking like the, the Jaguars are going back to where most people expected them to be. With a shocking win against the Indianapolis Colts, now they're going back to maybe they're the worst team in the NFL. And then they say, hold your horses. We are not the worst team in the NFL. Have you ever watched that team in green up in New Jersey lose 24-0 to the Miami Dolphins? That's a bad team. And they had Joe Flacco and Frank Gore. Two of those two guys were in the Super Bowl like seven years ago. Those aren't the same players that are playing now. Both of them are backups in the NFL, but both started this game for the Jets. Uh, man, I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence having to go play in this franchise. Good luck to Sam, though, when you go to the Colts. But, uh, yeah, feel bad for Trevor. It's a, it's a tough pain you have to go through to play for the New York Jets. Feel bad. I bet for him, he'd like to go back and play in Atlanta or in Georgia, where he's from, and play with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. That's the place I would want to go. That looks like a place destined for Justin Fields, though, if I'm being honest. For another Georgia kid going back to play for the Falcons, that's what I would see. If I'm the Falcons and I finish around the 1-5 and area, or not 1-5, and five, but like the 4-12 and 12 area, 3-13, and 13, which I don't think the Falcons finished 3-13, but 4-12, and 5-11, and 11, somewhere around there, around that area, is where Justin Fields could get drafted. And you get a hometown kid, or not a hometown, home state kid, and put, give him to the Falcons. Have him groom under Matt Ryan, because Matt Ryan's not going to play forever. And their backup option has been Matt Schaub for like the last 100 years. So maybe we move on from Matt Schaub, or keep Matt Schaub, and have Justin Fields learn from both of them. I think that would be a perfect learning experience for a young quarterback. But Jet, Trevor going to the Jets, I feel sorry for him. And there's a lot more problems on the Jets than Sam Darnold, but I think Sam Darnold's just funny because of all his fans out there that absolutely adore everything he does at all times and say that he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's funny that's just getting blown back in their face. And I want to see if I could find this stat. Someone was tweeting this this morning or yesterday, and there's a lot of angry Jets fans on Twitter, as there is everywhere you find Jets fans. There's always going to be angry Jets fans. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Brass are meeting with Adam Gase to discuss his future with the team. Now, if I'm the Jets, I'm keeping I now this might be coming from a place of bias, but I would love for the Jets to keep Adam Gase. I would be all for it. That'd be just perfect for the Jets to keep Adam Gase. Now I think they've got the guy that loves himself an interim head coaching job and Greg Williams sitting right there. And I've talked about this with my dad saying, like, two more annoying, gross coaches in the NFL than freaking Adam Gase and Greg Williams. Adam, Greg Williams and the Jets would fit. They're a fit. Nobody likes the Jets. No one likes Greg Williams. So they just be a perfect fit for each other. But Adam Gase, I found the graphic. The Jets, offensively. You remember he's an offensive genius that worked with Peyton Manning. Last in the NFL as the New York Jets head coach. 31st with Miami in 2018. 25th with Miami in 2017, 24th with Miami in 2016, 21st in, in Chicago as the OC, and currently he is 31st in the NFL for offense. He's an offensive genius, remember that. Man, Jets are bad. I love Adam Gase, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Adam Gase. Packers lost pretty surprisingly to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 38-10. to 10. Maybe not surprisingly they lost to the Bucs, but how they lost to the Bucs, 38-10. to 10. Gronk scored a touchdown. Gronk has been pretty much a human statue all season. He scored a touchdown on the Green Bay Packers this game. It's because Aaron Rodgers did the three pumps. Can't do three pumps. That's what got him in trouble. But yeah, 38-10. Surprising 
result there. And then Sunday night football, 49ers beat the Rams 24 to six, nothing too crazy went on in that game. If I remember correctly, we watched the whole second half, nothing, unless I'm forgetting something, nothing really happened in this game. Jimmy G played pretty well in this game. I thought, see, I thought I heard CJ Beathard was going to start. He did not. So terror sad for him. And I saw Nick Mullins on the sideline, full uniform, CJ Beathard on a uniform on. So that was pretty disheartening for me. Who thought CJ Beathard was going to start. George Kittle played well again, un- unsurprising, but yeah, I just, was just kind of there. Nothing. It was a nothing game. I didn't really care about what was happening in the game. It was just a game between the jets or not the jets, the Rams and the Niners Rams rocked their nasty gradient home uniforms during this game. 49ers rocked some really nice all white uniforms. I mean, two complete polar opposites of uniforms there. I was just happy I didn't have to look at the Rams with their bone uniforms on. Now, before we go on to college football, obviously we got to talk about that. I want to go story time. Now, I have a nice iPhone 10 and I got it from work pretty much. And it's been a while since I've had an upgraded phone. And I also had a beautiful Logan Blackman show phone case on it. It's a black one with the red TLBS on it. It's beautiful. Beautiful phone case. One of the best phone cases out there. I'm going in to my good friends, Noah, Spencer, and Christian's apartment. And my phone slips out of my hands as I try to insert it into my pocket. And I'm kind of rushing a little bit. So that was probably the probably the big problem there. It was during a fantasy football draft night. So I was I was in a hurry. I had to get there before the draft started. And I dropped it. And it wasn't anything too bad. It was just the top corner was a little cracked. I mean, it wasn't anything, like, terrible. The screen, nothing. If you look directly at the phone, you wouldn't be able to tell there was a crack there. Unless you're like, oh, man, there's a crack at the top corner of the phone. It's nothing terrible. But that was, like, a month ago. And now, fast forward to, when was this? Saturday. I'm helping my friend Christian, as I said. It's no, I was at their apartment again. There's just all the bad things that happened to my phone happened in that apartment, I guess. Uh, Christian needed help filming something, so I came over to film, and I was telling him about, hey, my phone, sometimes, I don't know why this happened, but the, like, I don't know, a fourth of the way down my phone, if you're starting from the top of the screen down, doesn't work at random times. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens randomly. And then later in the day, it just decides to not work at all. And that little section on my phone is where all the apps that I use are, like Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Spotify's in there. Um, I got all my sports apps in there, like uh, Barstool sports apps in there. Uh, Bleach Report so I can check scores. I don't really use Bleach Report anymore except to check scores of games. And Who Scored, which is my favorite soccer app of all time. I love that app. So if you like soccer, I'd recommend downloading Who Scored. My MLS app's in there. My school apps are in there, like Drive, uh, Google Docs, my uh, e-learning stuff's in there. Then I got my three games that I have on my phone, Among Us, uh, Doodle Jump, and Temple Run are all, I can't get those. So I'm thinking, like a wise person, I was like, okay, what does a wise person do in this situation? We restart the phone, and everything goes back to normal. Right as I swiped the power button on the top of the screen, I remembered, oh, crap Logan when you turn that phone back on you can't use face identification again until you type in the passcode and I didn't realize this thing until conveniently didn't realize this until after I turned off my phone turn it back on in a hurry 
And now I'm about ready to go into Oh My Grill, which is a delicious burger place or grill place up here in Cedar Falls. I'm sitting in my car kind of panicking because it takes a little bit for Oh My Grill to get out because it's cooking fresh right there. It takes about like 15, 20 minutes. So I was like, what do I do? And my code, I'm not going to give away my entire code, but the three numbers in my code are one, one, and two twos. That level in my phone is where those numbers are that is untouchable or can't, doesn't activate the code or I can't touch or whatever. So I can't get back to my phone. And my phone also does this weird thing. It's been like this ever since I got it, where if you get a notification, it won't show you what the notification is until it senses my face. I can see what app it's from, but I can't see what it actually says. And since I can't get into my phone without using the punch code, since I turned it off, I can't look at my phone and get the notification. I can't see what any of the notifications are because the phone was off. And before you can use face identification, you have to punch in the code. So I my phone is pretty much useless at this point. But since the battery's so good, it hasn't even been charging and it's been doing pretty good. I, it's been weird, though, not checking my phone as much as I do. But I guess I don't really check it throughout that much throughout the day anyways, so it didn't really hinder me that much. But if you need to reach me on anything, I'd probably just say shoot me a DM on Twitter since that's the thing I use the most. I don't really use any other form of social media that often. I rarely check Instagram, which is another place you could reach me at, but that's not probably the most reliable place to. I'd probably do it on Twitter. And... This also sucks because I could post on Twitter, but I can't post my Instagram stories with my Logan Blackman show, so people can't click on the podcast link anymore, which is also disheartening, which I know a lot of people are very upset by that. But I'll post them on Facebook and Twitter. I don't even use Facebook. I use it to upload stuff for the podcast on my my uh, Logan Blackman show page, which speaking of, go and like the Logan Blackman show on Facebook. But yeah, my computer has basically been my phone for the past what since saturday which has been disappointing and speaking of saturday let's go over some college football and then we'll go into one thing that i really needed to talk about that happened on saturday as well so going on friday we had byu beat houston smu beat tulane very unsurprising there zach wilson himself a great game 400 yards four touchdowns also led byu in rushing clemson unsurprisingly beat georgia tech the surprising part might be the fact that they beat them 73-7. to Trevor Lawrence threw his first five touchdowns in the game before in this game. Five touchdowns in the first half. Armani Rodgers, Armani Rodgers, Armani Rodgers have himself a good game. 161 yards, two tutties. Dominating performance. They play Syracuse. And for those of you who don't know, Syracuse lost to Liberty by 17 points this past weekend. And now they're going to go over the next week and play Clemson. Now, if I'm Syracuse, I don't recommend doing this. But if I'm the Syracuse Orange, and I'm looking at what Clemson just did to Georgia Tech, and I see what Liberty just did to us, I'm faking a COVID outbreak. <laughs> I'm I'm going all in on, man, we had a few players get tested positive COVID, got to shut down the campus. Can't do it. I don't. It's terrible that this timing, that we had to play Clemson this week, and we just lost Liberty. It's crazy how this all links up like this, but, man, it just sucks. I wanted to play this weekend, but now we can't. Man, it's terrible. That's what I would do if I'm Syracuse, which I don't think it will happen, but if it does happen, goodness gracious, that'd be funny. Uh, Alabama-Georgia was on Saturday night. Alabama pulled away in the second half, scored 21 and answered, beat Georgia 41-24. to Mac Jones balled out again. Najee Harris balled out again. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell balled out again. 
Just a typical performance. Number one offense owned the number one defense in this game. Notre Dame beat Louisville 12-7. Florida State upset North Carolina 31-28. They were up 31-7 at halftime. So North Carolina tried their best to come back, but ultimately failed in that task. Uh, Texas A&M beat Mississippi State 20-14. Miami beat Pitt 31-19. South Carolina, fondly enough, beat Auburn for the first time. Not beat not just beat Auburn. It was the first time they've beaten Auburn since 1933. That is ridiculous. That, that doesn't feel like that's correct. But ESPN posted, so it has to be true. 30-22 uh, to 22 was the final. Bo Nix sucked in this game. And, yeah, Auburn now 2-2 two and two on the season. Kentucky destroyed Tennessee 34-7. to seven. Easy performance. Terry Wilson himself, an easy game. Yeah, this is an atrocity of a game. And the Virginia Tech demolished Boston College 40-14. to 14. Other college football games you might care about. I got, an, I got an itch in my ear. I wear headphones for this. I don't really know why. I think it's just so I can't hear what's going on in the outside. Because if I... I'm weird because if I hear something, it like throws me off and I go, uh, um, but yeah, um, that was a fun result. But if I can't hear anything when I have these headphones on, so it's kind of helped me out, kind of just stay focused on the task at hand. Other scores, though, from outside the top 25, Navy beat East Carolina, 27-23. My Texas State Bobcats lost to South Alabama, 30-20. Liberty, as we said, beat Syracuse, 38-21. Army beat UTSA, 28-16. Memphis beat UCF, 50-49 on a missed field goal by UCF, which started like a tiny brawl on the sideline between the kicker and some random player on UCF, which that's not really what I want to do, start something with a guy that just had himself uh, a not great moment in a pretty fun game, especially passing-wise. The two quarterbacks for this game, Dylan Gabriel and Brady White, balled out this game. Dylan Gabriel, 601 yards passing, five touchdowns, and Brady White, 486 yards passing and six touchdowns. Neither one of them threw an interception in this game. That's impressive stuff. And a one-point game, very impressive game. For two non-top 25 teams. But both very fun very fun teams. Memphis pulled out in the second half. Uh, yeah, UCF was up 27-14 to 14 at halftime. And then Memphis obviously came back. Arkansas beat Ole Miss 33-21. Felipe Franks, the Florida guy, former Florida guy, had himself a pretty nice day in this. Arkansas, the first non-top 25 team they played all season, they beat. They played three top 25 teams at the time when they were ranked. They beat Mississippi State, who was ranked at the time, then played Georgia and Auburn, which Auburn, they realistically should have won that game. And they handled Old Miss. Very good defensive performance. They were up 20 to nothing at halftime and just kind of saw the game out in the second half. Yeah, good performance from Arkansas. Very good performance from Arkansas. Uh, other games that you might care about, there's really nothing else to really speak on. There's a bunch of postponed games like LSU Florida was gonna was supposed to be a fun game that got postponed. Baylor Oklahoma State could have been a fun game, but that got postponed. Yeah, and now obviously we got Iowa and Iowa State coming back this weekend. Let's go over some Big Ten scores or scoreboard. We'll talk about this a little more in depthly on Friday. But we got Illinois Wisconsin, Iowa Purdue. Illinois Wisconsin is on Friday. Then Iowa-Purdue, Nebraska-Ohio State, Rutgers-Michigan State, Penn State-Indiana, Michigan-Minnesota should be a fun game. That's a night game on ABC. And then Maryland and Northwestern. And then Iowa State, as we said, we're on a bye week this week. They play Oklahoma State, which will be on Fox. Number 6, Oklahoma State versus number 17, Iowa State. 
Speaking of those two rankings, let's go over the new top 25 rankings this week. Clemson and Alabama remain unchanged at 1 and 2. The Notre Dame move up one spot. Georgia drops one. Ohio State five. Okie State six. A&M, Penn State, Cincinnati, Florida. Then Miami, BYU, Oregon, North Carolina, and Wisconsin are tied at 14th. Uh, then SMU, Iowa State, Michigan, Virginia Tech, Kansas State, Minnesota, Marshall, NC State, USC, and then Coastal Carolina coming in to the top 25. And while we're on the topic of college football, if you remember Friday, I released my, what do you want to call it, way too early Heisman people. So my top five was Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, uh, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris. I'm changing that. We're eliminating Kyle Trask, and we're going Trevor Mac Jones, uh, Najee Harris, Zach Wilson, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, he barely plays towards the end of the games because Clemson's blowing out opponents. And they're blowing out opponents because of their passing game. And Travis Etienne in this game on Saturday had 11 carries. So, like, it's hard to judge his Heisman candidacy this year because it's going to go to Trevor Lawrence unless Justin Fields absolutely falls out. When he comes back, or Travis Lo- Travis Trevor Lawrence throw just falls off a cliff, or Zach Wilson just balls out, or Mac Jones continues to ball like he's been doing. But that's my new top five: Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Zach Wilson, and Travis Etienne. You could argue Zach Wilson over Najee Harris. I'm not really going to fight anybody on that. Again, don't really, I don't care about either player or team. <laughs> you can you could rank either one above whichever one. But that's my rankings as I'm seeing it right now. And we got about. Got about 15 minutes left in today's show. So Friday night or Saturday night, we talked about this on Friday. The battle between Vasily Lomachenko and Tiafimo Lopez. Uh yeah, uh, Loma, as expected, was the favorite in this game. But pretty unsuspectedly, at least to me, Tiafimo beat Loma unanimous decision. Now, Loma. If you've watched Loma before, and I hated how Timothy Bradley was talking about Loma in this game. Like, he was just some ordinary fighter. He literally called him ordinary throughout the fight. What? Shut up. Like, I was sitting there. I was so frustrated listening to Timothy Bradley talk throughout the entire fight. Because he was so much on... <laughs> he was on Tiafimo's dick the entire fight. I was like, dude, calm down. Jeez. Andre Ward had himself a good broadcast. Andre Ward's a good broad- broadcaster for ESPN. But Timothy Bradley, oh, God, he was so annoying throughout the game. You can go on Twitter and look up all the stuff he was saying, all the people roast him on Twitter as well, because he wasn't good. He's not a good announcer, at least for that fight he wasn't. But because he probably put a ton of money down on Tiafimo Lopez, who's so like, I'm not going to talk anything about Loma being one of the greats, being the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world, and then calling him ordinary. That's just stupid. But Loma lost. I'm not going to sit here and say Loma deserved to win. Loma, when you watch Lomachenko fight, Loma feels out the fighters in his fights. It takes him a little bit to get going, then the switch flips, and then it's over. Loma started that comeback too late. Because you could argue from rounds, I think, 7 to 11, Loma won. Actually, I don't think you can argue that. Loma won round 7 through 11. And then won round 2 as well. Like, he started that comeback way too late. So by that time in the judges' heads, which boxing has a very long history of being a not fairly judged sport. It has. It's been corrupt throughout its history. Now, I'm not saying that Loma deserved to win this fight. Again, I'm not stressing that. I think the way the judges scored this fight 
was ridiculous. Now, again, I'm not saying Loma won. I think it could have been a draw, but I would probably give I said 6-6 when I was done scoring. It was 6-6. Rounds, six rounds to each fighter. But I could obviously see uh, TV Lopez getting seven to five rounds. So I was fine with, I was content with Loma losing this fight. I wasn't like frustrated. I was like, ah, grr, I'm mad. I mean, I was upset because obviously he's one of my favorite fighters to watch in boxing. But one of the judges scored this 119 to 109. For those of you who don't watch bots, that is an annihilation, essentially. What were they watching in that fight? I'm not saying Loma deserved to win. Again, I'm going to state that about a thousand times because it's going to make me sound like, oh, I think Loma got screwed out of a win. He didn't. I think it was either A, a draw, or a TFM a win. I'm not really bothered by the fact or I'm, I'm content with the fact that he's ruled a loss. It was how it got scored that made me upset. Or not upset, but not happy. I remember when they read out the cards and weren't saying names. It was like, okay, it's going to UD. It's going to Tiafima Lopez. It's, yeah. Even Terrence Crawford, who is my favorite boxer in the world, uh, tweeted 119-109. Ooh-wee, that's a good fight, but that score was so disrespectful. It's a terrible score. Terrence Crawford also said, draw for me. Let's see. This was a draw. I, do, I don't think 119-109 to is a fair representation of what happened in this fight. Now, congratulations to Tiafimo Lopez. He's 23 years old, unified the belts, unified the weight class. Like, that's impressive. Like, a round of applause. I'm not going to sit here and bash Tiafimo Lopez. I, I have nothing against him. He's a very exciting fighter. He's a very good boxer, obviously. He just unified the weight division. But the way they just were talking Loma down as, like, an ordinary fighter... As he lost one nineteen to one oh nine. Now it's three. It's between three judges' scores. It's not like that one score um, was everybody's score in the fight. But that score was awful. That is the worst score I've seen in a, a while for boxing. That was and Loma being typical Vasily Lomachenko took it on the chin. Was like, yeah, we'll just have to look at the film. I'm not going to make a big fuss about it right now. We're just going to go back and. See what we can do. I think the score was unfair, but what can you do about it right now? He just took it off and left. And a disappointing fight. There were times I thought Loma had him. And then Tiafimo showed off his boxing, not only boxing IQ, but boxing ability. By being able to, at times, outbox the best outboxer in boxing. <laughs> if that makes any sense. But man, fun fight. Very fun fight. That's like Spencer, who I was watching the fight was I was watching at Spencer and Christian's place with Spencer and Christian. That was Rocky stuff. That's the stuff that you see in Rocky that was like, this isn't what boxing is really like, where people are just taking countless blows to the head. Tiafimu and Lomachenko were teeing off on each other towards the end of the fight. And there was a time in the 12th round, I thought Tiafimu drop was going to drop Loma. Because Tiafimo went on a nice little five-round slump and lost those rounds and then came back in the 12th with a vengeance and looked like he was going to finish off Lomachenko. Hurt him with a body shot. You could tell Loma was wincing towards the 12th round. But throughout the rest of the fight, it didn't really look like Loma was bothered or hurt. But he just started the comeback way too late. If he started that earlier, I think he could have gotten that fight. 
But then I say that, and Tiafimo just absolutely dominated the 12th round. So, again, fair play to, uh, to Tiafimo Lopez. Look, you were watching your career with great interest, as Chancellor Palpatine said to Anakin Skywalker in Episode 1 of Star Wars, for those of you who don't know. But yeah, he's an exciting fighter. He's a very talented fighter. Very, very good boxer. And I'm excited to see where his career goes from this point. Again, 23. 23 years old. That is absolutely ridiculous that I'm sitting here at almost 23. I turned 23 in less than a month. And I'm talking about him. <laughs> he has no idea who I am at all. And Top Rank Boxing, the promotion for this, tweeted out our appreciation post like about Lomachenko. This man is still one of the best of the game uh, with a resume in a match. What comes next for Loma? Stay tuned. We'll have to see what Lomachenko does next. Now, Tiafimo Lopez has expressed that he would like to go up and unify the 140-pound belts. And with the way his career trajectory, <laughs> he's on a really good path. Loma hurt him a couple times. Got him with a couple jabs to the right eye or the left eye of Tiafimo Lopez, which hurt him. And but yeah, it wasn't enough in the end. And one fight that I think I hope you all watched, which you probably didn't, because top rank boxing and boxing in general, boxing is part of the fabric of America. It's up there with baseball as like the most American things ever. Even though boxing is lost in popularity to UFC at this point, I think that's fair to say. And I love box. I like boxing way more than the UFC. And I'm one of those rare people nowadays that's going to say that, but it has, but boxing as a whole in the history of boxing, it's in the very fabric of America, but these undercards sometimes for the main events are on the main card. There were three fights on the main card are usually very underwhelming. You can see this in the second fight of the main card where the entire time Barbosa and Salcedo were fighting. Joe Testator was reminding everybody that, wait a minute, Tiafimo Lopez versus Lomachenko will be on very soon on ESPN. It's like every two minutes they were bringing that up. Like every time the round was over, they would bring up, oh yeah, we got Tiafimo versus Vasily Lomachenko coming next. So make sure you stay tuned because they know people are not going to, no one cares. There's so many belts in boxing that's sometimes hard to keep track of, which is what people get confused about. You look at the UFC, there's one belt per weight class minus the BMF belt, which is the dumbest belt ever made ever. But there's only one belt for each weight class. So you don't get like, oh, Tiafimo walking around with five belts after the match. You don't see that in UFC. There's so many belts in boxing with so many different promotions in boxing. So it's hard to keep track of all these fighters, all these fights, because you know there's certain people you know, like the big name fighters like Lomachenko or Tiafimo Lopez or Terrence Crawford or Canelo Alvarez or obviously Floyd Mayweather. But a lot of the younger guys are even the top 10 of their weight class. Not a lot of people know. So they're just reminding you, hey, watch the wait for this fight to be over because we got an actual good one coming up next. But the first fight of the main card is the thing that I want to talk about here. It's a young guy, Edgar Berlanga. Uh, he's a Cuban fighter, I believe is what is flat. No, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Is it Puerto Rico or Cuba? It's Puerto Rico. And he had himself... He's had himself a fun career start so far. <laughs> so going into this fight, I remember scrolling on Twitter prior to the main card starting. And there were tweet, it was top ranked boxing tweet on Edgar Berlanga's stats. 14 wins, 14 knockouts, all in the first round. I had to read through that twice. I was like, I read it to Spencer and Christian. I was like, this dude coming up, 14 knockouts, 14 wins, 
all in the first round. It's like, wait, 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 what, what? Is that correct? And then he went out there and knocked dude out again. 15 rounds, 15 wins, 15 knockouts, 15 all in the first round. 15 straight first round knockouts. And also a thing in boxing, which is something that gets brought up in boxing, is padding your, uh, what do you call it? Padding your resume, I guess. In boxing, when you're starting off as a professional, you get a lot of hand-me fights. Like, you saw that with, like, you see it in Rocky, just as an example for those of you who don't know. Like, Rocky, when he beat Apollo Creed, and then they were like, Clubber Lang comes in, he's like, oh, you ain't nothing. You never fought someone like me. You could handed all your fights. Rocky realizes that because he's like, hey, hey, Mick, did you give me, did all those fight kids pick, have picked for me? And one example of that now would be Anthony Joshua. And obviously he got his shit rocked by Andy Ruiz in Madison Square Garden. And then obviously he got the fight back. But now we await for Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Which won't happen until Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. But that happens quite a bit in box. So maybe, I've never heard of this guy. So maybe he's had a lot of hand me fights. But the guy he fought on Saturday I've at least heard of. So I knew it wasn't like some weak fighter he's a tmt guy the the money team floyd mayweather guy and he got knocked out fast or he wasn't knocked out but the ref stopped but if you looked in dude's eyes he was done he was done out there but berlong is good that dude's gonna be fun to watch in the near future 15 first round knockouts that is absolutely insane it's like young mike tyson good lord but we didn't bring this up. I kind of forgot about this till right now since we brought up Tyson Fury with Deontay Wilder. Terrence Crawford is fighting on November 14th, which is very exciting. They announced it during the fight. Came out of nowhere to announce this. And he will be back on November 14th. So if you've never watched Terrence Crawford before, who to me is right up there with like Lomachenko as the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world now obviously there's going to be some talks about the monster and he's fighting if you want to watch another fight Nayoya Inanu Inanu I've never been able to pronounce his name he's just simply known as the monster is fighting his first fight in America on October 31st so I would recommend if you guys want to watch another great pound for pound fighter I would watch the monster on October 20th October 31st because that will be awesome That'll be an absolutely great fight. There's two back-to-back great fights. The Monster on October 31st and Terrence Crawford on November 14th. It is going to be freaking awesome. Kel Brook versus Terrence Crawford. It's going to be awesome. TV Malopez, he fought on the Terrence Crawford versus Me Machine undercard. Or not the undercard, he was on the main card of it. That main card was awesome. Yeah, Terrence Crawford versus Me Machine. TV Malopez is on there. Mick Conlon, who is another one of my favorite fighters, the Irish guy, he'll be competing for a belt really soon. He should be competing for a championship belt really soon. So make sure you keep an eye out for Michael Conlon or Mick Conlon, whatever you want to call him. He goes by both. Just look out for him because he's going to be on the come up. But congratulations to TV Malopez. Uh, disappointing for my fandom of Vasily Lomachenko. But you know what? Loma's one of the greatest fighters of his generation, and I have no doubt in my mind he'll bounce back. He hasn't fought in 14 months. Teo knew that, and he 
exploited the fact that he hadn't been fighting for 14 months. So, good on Lomachenko, or uh, good on Tiafima Lopez. And again, congratulations to him on unifying the belts. And yeah, I'm excited to see where his career goes. Because at this point, I can't really see it going down from here. It's only up for trajectory for Tiafima Lopez. And congratulations on winning all those. Go make sure you go and watch Monday afternoon football starting in two hours from now. It's 157 right now. Bills and Chiefs. Chiefs, again, are a five-and-a-half point favor over the Buffalo Bills. So that should be a fun game. And the Arizona Cardinals versus the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if I make predictions now, I think the Chiefs will win. But I'm also a very pessimistic person and pessimistic, pessimistic fan. I'm saying the Chiefs will win 31-21 over the Bills in this game. And I think the Cardinals will beat the Cowboys by three points. Is that fair? Fair enough? Yeah. Three points. I don't know what the exact score will be, but I think the Cardinals win. The Cowboys have the worst defense in the NFL statistically. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Cardinals Chiefs get wins tonight. Hopefully that can work its magic and go opposite since I said the Chiefs will win the Bills obviously will win but now that I said that the Chiefs will probably still win but that's what I've got for you on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show I hope you all have a great rest of your day and rest of the week I will see you all on Wednesday peace